You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we are reviewing Interstellar, a 2014 film from Christopher Nolan. And um, this is kind of an interesting episode because this movie came out in 2014, and a lot of people know it. It's hotly contested as a you know masterpiece of a film, but also there's some people who thought it was a little bit too complex for their liking and perhaps overwritten to an extent that the director who's known for his many good films kind of got over his head with it. However, Some of which I did not understand either. Interesting. Well, that's what we're going to dive into as we review the film today. But it was made on a budget of $165 million. And how much do you think it made? I'm going to say $120 million. No, $701.8 million. It was a smash. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, this was a big production. And this was around the time that Christopher Nolan had pretty much hit after hit after hit on his hands. So um, let's jump right into our uh, thoughts. But I do want to hear how many sittings it took you to watch this in because it's 169 minutes. I believe I watched this film in no fewer than two and maybe three max. So as you as you well know, I was 45 minutes into it um last weekend uh, so i think I, wa- I i watched the whole thing in one day how's that hey good for you for me that's impressive yeah. right? it took me two sittings i had to <laughs> I had to rent it twice but um yeah I, this is one of those films that i kind of lament that i didn't see it in imax when i could have because it seems like it was just one of those ones that was made for that kind of experience but you know uh you live and you learn and it was pretty cool to see this on um you know uh regular old tv but it, i mean it was a good film nonetheless so what before did you we launch into the before you ask me what i thought of it and before you think you know what i thought of it um i want to just talk about the cast a little bit because oh, yeah. let's let's be honest this thing is stacked with a cast that um, oh, yeah. no wonder it costs so much probably half of that budget was for the actors alone yeah, i would probably think so so matthew mcconaughey anne hathaway jessica chastain bill Irwin and Michael Caine are on the ticket and also young Timothy Chalamet and probably one of his big first blockbuster roles was in this but he was a very minor character um he was in it for like what all of 10 minutes 15 yeah not terribly well developed but but still you know considering what Timothy Timothy Chalamet has become Mm -hmm. um you know another person to credit for this film certainly he was the lead of Dune but uh, let's talk about the synopsis real quick of this movie um, for those who have seen it or for those who are uh, planning on watching it, perhaps. It is set in a dystopian future where humanity is struggling to survive. The film follows a group of astronauts who travel through a wormhole near Saturn in search of a new home for mankind. Okay, context, the year is 2067, and Earth is now a caretaker generation of human beings. Uh, there's less food, there's more... Um, there's Dust. a lot of struggle with farming. So population size is much more decreased than it was, but it's not some sort of apocalyptic situation where you don't see anybody. Conditions have just changed as a result of high human consumption over the years and overpopulation. 
And I would add too that you're the context you just provided was context I did not have when I watched it. And um, I didn't realize the difference, which I think is to the credit of the film. To me, it felt like it be, could be very current, mm -hmm. sort of. But um, I like the fact that I did not have that context that you just shared. I did not know it was 2067. Maybe it says mm -hmm. that somewhere in the, in the subtitles. But at the end of the day, I felt like this was a film that was, frankly, to some extent, relatable in the sense that space exploration and what could happen to our planet as a result of our abuse of it um, made for this a very interesting premise. Certainly. And I think it gave just enough weight to it. It wasn't so heavy handed that it was beating you over the head with humans are bad because of this sort of commentary. I thought it was straight to the point, uh, really objective, wasn't really prejudiced one side or the other, and just kind of continued the plot. It really sort of uh, was a vehicle for the adventure that lay ahead. All right. So let's get into some high level thoughts. These are not spoilers. Uh, so I want to know what you thought of the movie. And I can't guess this one. So you're just going to have to give it to me straight. You really don't want me to ask you the question that I ask you week after week after week, which is what do you think I thought of it, Noah? No, because this is uh, all of our movie watching has come to the culmination of perhaps the most mainstream film that we've watched uh, mm -hmm. yet. And um, something that I think is very divisive. So I want you to tell me. Okay, uh, then I will tell you that for the extent that I fully understood it, I really liked this film a lot. Awesome. All right, that's so good to hear because I feel like we've been having a couple strikeouts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's good because I don't think you like any Christopher Nolan movies that you've seen so far. Not a big fan because as I said, you know, a lot of them, like what was that one with Leonardo DiCaprio? That, that was Martin Scorsese's film, Shutter Island. But you might no, be talking about Inception. This is definitely Inception. I've been talking about Inception. Yeah, I, I had no clue what was going on in that film. There have been other Christopher Nolan films that have been a little um, hard to follow, quite frankly. But this is a bit of a time travel film. Well, that's an understatement. It is a time travel film. And you don't quite, you don't, the nice thing about this film is I didn't feel like it was dystopian. I didn't feel like it was time travel. I didn't feel like it was um, preachy. To your point about, you know, and as a Gen Xer, you know, I, uh, I don't want to speak for all of Gen X, but I, I'm not um, someone who, who recognizes the abuse of the planet that has existed for a lot of time. Mm. I know it now, but you know what I'm saying. So there were a lot of things about this film that I thought did so very well um, in that it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel contrived. It didn't feel... Um, it didn't, it felt, it felt very important and fascinating. And really, when you think about the very beginning and the very end mm. and how, you know, I, in my back of my mind, you, I had, I heard you saying this was Christopher Nolan's mag, magnum opus. Yeah. I believe it is. Although I can't, I can't speak to his library or his catalog of films because I, I haven't seen all of them by any stretch of the imagination. But I got to tell you, this one is a very smart film. It was ambitious to a fault. It really was. And I feel like it really stuck that landing, no pun intended. Um, it was, it asked many questions, but I feel like we got a lot of answers or amazing sort of theoretical possibilities as to what would happen with some of the things we don't think about. Because the whole theme of this film is time, right? 
how time is relative and how time can be perceived. I loved it. I loved that yeah. whole aspect of this film. I love the concept of time in general. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about time in the linear fashion that we believe it to exist. Yeah, point A and point B, uh, past and present and future. Right. And I... Uh, I really, I really liked this film a lot. I mean, for, and you know, that is saying something for someone who doesn't like films longer than 90 minutes. So fair enough. Yeah. That this one is definitely hefty. I think it was, um, you do the math. <laughs> it's like two forty-five. Okay. You know, it really didn't feel it's runtime too much either to me. I thought it was just about where it needed to be. Um, but yeah, I did not feel like it was super long either. I mean, it, it was long, but it didn't feel like there was at no point where I thought, Oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? Because there was enough happening. It was almost like instructional, or I want to say you learned something from it. I feel like I was consistently 100%. discovering with this movie, and there was a drama behind it. But I thought uh, they actually got some, I believe, NASA consultants uh, for this film. And I think that's one of the reasons they were probably able to use the trademarked NASA name. But uh, that was super cool. So a lot of it is based on real theories, real actual, you know, facts and laws of science. And it follows these in a way that had never really been put to the screen before. So I appreciated that. Um, I was consistently fascinated by what I was seeing on screen because whenever a scene ended, it kind of made you think, like put those pieces together from the previous scene and then it made even more sense. And I felt like that built over time to make you just really appreciate this. So I really understand where the love is coming from mm-hmm. for this film. I definitely liked it a lot. I thought it was uh, quite a good movie and I don't regret renting it twice. I mean, it was just one of those ones that I feel like everybody who has really ever loved movies or the possibility that there's something more out there or just even having some kind of love for big screen storytelling this really hits all the check marks. So I thought it really appeals to a wide amount of people without specifically targeting them. It's just a very good movie about a fascinating subject matter and it handled a lot of big ideas very well. Agreed. I think this is a very intelligent film and I will get into spoilers in just a minute, but I think overall there's a lot to like about this film in its concept and its execution. And for that reason, I'm really glad. I'm, I, I was going to say I'm glad we agree. We don't always have to agree, and I'm fine when, when when we don't agree. And we we absolutely disagreed last week. But I'm surprised. I honestly thought that you might think this was a little slow. So I'm kind of glad that you and I are sort of on the same page with this because it's a high concept film that is executed well. It could have been a total mess. Uh, it like, could have been incredibly boring. In, in the hands of Christopher Nolan, it is extraordinarily well done. Great. All right. Would you say you'd recommend this movie to pretty much anybody? I would. I would. Now, some people aren't going to like it because of its length, but I think it's high concept, uh, strong storytelling, and incredible acting, for the most part, enough to uh, make it a must-watch film. Yeah. I'm, I think it's essential viewing for anybody who loves movies. It's definitely one of those types of films. Uh, agreed. Agreed. So we're on the same page. Good. So, so moving into spoiler territory, let's um, just give you that warning right now. If you have watched the film and you want to listen to our thoughts, then go ahead and uh, listen further. But if you have not seen the film and you do want to watch it, then pause right here, come back and see what we thought and see if you agree. All right. So let's move into it. What do you have to say? 
Um, well, I, I mentioned this in the earlier in the podcast, but I thought the very beginning and the very end just tied this up beautifully. So that's what I loved about eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, by the way, how the beginning and the ending weren't incredibly clear as to why they were that way, but they just Mm -hmm. wrapped up in this very nice, neat package that really worked well together. That's what I loved about that movie's ending. I didn't love anything about that movie, but did (laughs) you find, did you find that the beginning and the end were not clear in interstellar? I actually was surprised because over the years I've been told this is a very difficult film to understand. And I definitely felt that with um, Christopher Nolan's film Tenet that came out in 2020, but this one I understood all the way through. Um, I, I, I felt like it would, it gave you enough to sort of have that hook, but sometimes it didn't really answer uh, some things that you could assume for yourself. But yeah. overall, I thought it, it didn't lose me at any point. It really no. didn't. No, I just thought that the, the very beginning where she wakes him up, her father, uh, the, you know, the, the female character who becomes Jessica Chastain as an adult, um, when she wakes up, Harry, Harry, um, Harry, Matthew McConaughey, her father, Cooper, thank you, and says, you know, talks about the ghost. And, and he says, it's not a ghost, and they establish its gravity. And then almost full circle, the end of this film it turns out, for lack of a better word, he was the ghost because yeah. of time, because of the way time sort of... He set, he set this up uh, in a fourth dimension. That was across space. It was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was, it, it was always meant to be. And you know what the coolest thing about that is? So they talked about Murphy's Law. His mm-hmm. daughter, Murph, it, it wasn't Murphy. about him. It was right. about her the whole time. Yep. So that's a reference to Murphy's Law. Anything that can happen will happen, right? Right. So how cool is that, that it really, it showed itself right there in the beginning, but you also understood it when he fell into that, uh, he shot through the event horizon and became part of the Tesseract and then was able to interact and see where that came from. Super cool stuff. And you might get lost here if (laughs) this movie was confusing to you because there's a lot of complex themes for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, are there any other things you particularly really loved about sort of the beginning or the middle? I I think what I love so well about this, I've already said, is just the way it it sort of comes full circle and very few films come full circle. And maybe that what's interesting about this is that most films are linear Mm -hmm. and this isn't in a way. And, and, And it's ironically it's about the about time not being linear but i do believe this is a bit of a magnum opus this is kind of this is an impressive well you and i love uh, story to tell big space movies right you know some of the most popular movies like star wars as long as george clooney is not in them i like (laughs) gravity yeah but um space epics are super cool and i think that's special to us because we love sci-fi yeah and this is just a love letter to sci-fi fans, people who just love science in general, or just exploring the idea of space and what's out there because it's not saying aliens, right? It's giving a possibility there might be life elsewhere, but that was never a spoken word in the film alien. They were just wondering how they could have it life, how they could um, colonize another planet, perhaps if the food got too low and leave in mass and it, it, it was interesting how it all came together because it was a suicide mission, essentially, uh-huh. right? I like that he was kind of misled as to what his purpose was there in the first place, and he discovered so much more because of it. 
And I feel like I've seen this before, but Matt Damon came along and he was just the villain of the movie, quote unquote. It's not so black and white there. I thought that was interesting how he sort of like betrayed the whole thing and the people who were just talking about following the mission. I thought that was fascinating. Did you see that coming? I totally saw that coming. I did not. I did not because I had left off right at that point. So I Uh, think I was just like, okay, Dr. Man has woken up uh, Matt Damon's character. And, you know, they're kind of just, he's talking about how it's a habitable planet. And it turns out he was lying and he just wanted somebody to save him. And um, he resisted the temptation of uh, pressing that rescue beacon bu- uh, button for a while because he knew that that would cost resources and people to come over and he knew it was an uninhabitable planet. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, interesting stuff here in terms of that. I also thought when they got to that world that was water, you know, <laughs> like with stand- the waves that they thought were mountains, but they were yes, waves standing water with the, those giant waves. That was interesting because when they came back, it had been 23 years of like earth's time. And that's what's so cool about this film, right? Because yeah. the idea of time is so um, hard to comprehend. Yeah, it really is. So it's so simple, but it's not. So they, so you probably understood this, but in order to get to these different worlds and I believe different galaxies, they saw a wormhole and they had to go through this wormhole. And of course, a lot of it sounds like very far-fetched, but we don't know what's on the other side of a wormhole because it's like a theoretical possibility, or maybe that's a black hole, but they went through the wormhole and that was incredible CGI, by the way, just amazing imagery. And I loved how they cut the sound at certain moments too. To I'm give a big you fan of that emptiness and silence of space. Yeah. That was, it just showed a grand sense of scale that we don't often see. And um, of course that planet was super cool, but I loved how it was kind of like a race against time, but you cannot beat time. Time just, it is, but you don't, you live with some concept of it, but in other dimensions and other, you know, sort of, I guess, realities, it's like nothing that you could control, right? And you can't even control time in the current space where we live. Right, the way we live it. We can so it's, right. and then that leads to the poem that they were talking about. Don't, don't go gentle against that good night. It's basically saying like rage until, it's basically saying do everything you can like fight with your last breath to stay alive until the very end. And I think that's just sort of, it's a frivolous effort, but it might be noble. And that's what trying to race against time or beat time is because he wants to get back to his daughter before she potentially dies because time is relative and he's trying to save the planet, but he might lose having ever had another experience with his children. So I have to tell you that, I thought the end or the close to the end when he comes back and they've, they've named the the settlement after her Mm -hmm. Murphy Mm -hmm. and she's on her deathbed Mm -hmm. and he gets to see her. Um, That was both extremely powerful and a bit disappointing. Too brief, too brief. They hadn't seen each other. He he was like, what? 124 years old at that point. She's, I want to say 90 or so. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they know each other like old friends, but there's not more of a. And all that family is, is sitting, is standing around the bedside and he doesn't acknowledge them. I, re- I realize this is, this is made for a film, right? So it's right. There's going to be some, and some suspension of reality, but I thought that was a missed opportunity in the film to mm-hmm. really, I mean, uh, did you, did you get emotional? Well, I, did you get emotional? 
No, I think it's because I was expecting a bit more of a gut punch there uh-huh. because it's like, yes, he's watching his daughter die. And she said no parent should ever have to watch their child die. And I mean, right. I would agree with that, but I definitely agree with that. It's just, it's just, I felt like it was going to be more than a 45 second to a minute scene. I thought he was going to stay there for overnight and hold her hand or something. Uh-huh. And there was going to be some kind of conversation. It seemed like mutual respect was there, mm-hmm. but that love that they were talking about, one of the only things that can cross time, right? You know, that yeah. one thing that can be willed across time, aside of gravity. They're speaking about that the whole time and they're just pining to see each other once again. And then it's just, we it see to that. I don't think, I don't think we're being too harsh on the film with that because that's really the culmination of what it is you know, that they get to see each other again and they go through all that and they're separate time realities just mm-hmm. for, you know, something that could have been a little bit more touching and emotionally driven. Yeah, I felt like perhaps it was done that way because of the length of the film and they were trying to pare it back as much as they could to shorten it and get to the get to the, the very end. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say that I didn't love about this film is as they're sort of racing through the cornfields, all of a sudden they come upon this compound, which is where NASA is located. And they've got this whole thing going on. NASA. It's right next door. It's right there in the cornfield that no one knows about. And they've already sent these people on this expedition and they were waiting for um, Matthew McConaughey's character. What's his name again? Cooper. Yes. Okay. Uh, To just sort of show up. They've been waiting for him. And, uh, there was a little bit of a really, but I was on board at that point in time because I knew that we were going to get to space and I yes. knew, you know, I thought it did a good job of sort of painting a dire picture of earth without painting a dire picture of earth without it being a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were a dystopian. I'm so tired of dystopian and I like dystopian, but I'm tired of films that are sort of the dystopian future. So I thought this did a nice job of, again, making it feel like it could be tomorrow. As long as you are driving through a cornfield and discover NASA in the middle of it. <laughs> well, to that end, they kind of give it. We're, it it's like we were talking about with the beginning. That was meant to happen. It had happened. And perhaps in another like anything that could happen, any possibility would happen. Right. So they were going to stumble upon NASA, but, and I agree with you, but sometimes, you know, how realistic can you be with some movies? Like you got to move the plot along. I, I could buy it. I could totally buy it because, because I was, I was engaged enough in this film. Well, I mean, if the movie was realistic, they would have put it on maps and then maps would have disconnected from uh, oh, right. 4G, four or 5G LTE. And then they would have been lost in the cornfields and then had to drive back. <laughs> so um yeah but i mean this was a great movie and i felt like a lot of it even if you it's hard to forgive that for some people it did a lot of the other stuff very very well this movie cared about being accurate in many spaces and also telling a very creative story so it's hard to fault it for some things that seem like movie tropes right or movie elements where you stumble upon the greatest secret in the world but i I completely agree with you this movie was worth putting up with some of those um, uh, less than believable aspects because the rest of it was so powerfully believable. Oh, certainly, certainly. Yeah. So 
it, it's it's just worth watching. And I yeah. thought the I thought the ending was pretty good, where Murphy was just saying, "Go find Doctor Brand." Right now, she's I loved col- it. She's colonizing. You know, she's beginning to colonize this um, community on this one planet. You know, I, I thought that was just. It really makes you realize that time is just a construct of what we make it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because in reality, it's why does why do they have to be twenty four hours a day? Why do they? Why is our work week four days and uh, five days instead of four days? Right? It's uh-huh. just what we make of it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's what we don't understand. Once again, I want to say thank you for putting this as my homework mm-hmm. because I would not have watched it if had it not been for the podcast because it's too long. Yeah. But I did commit more time to it than I would like to commit to any film, but it was certainly worth it in the end. So <laughs> that's fair. How many, I agree. How many, we can't be doing long, long, long movies like all the time. <laughs> right. So how many Z's would you give it, Noah? Um, let's see. I would I would easily Yellow give it one to five. I would I would give it four Z's. Yeah, I thought it was I would give it. I would give it four, maybe four and a half, because I thought it was pretty spectacular, pretty special. That whole ghost scene, you know, the whole ghost. There's mm-hmm. a ghost, and it turns out because of time, mm-hmm. he's the the ghost, was, so to speak. He was tapping Morse code, uh, uh, and that was it was genius. It I really mean, this was. is a, this is a really smart film, and everybody is. should see this film. I completely agree. Um, and definitely strap in to watch the movie rather than doing other things or having distractions yeah. because you'll be rewarded for it. For yep. sure. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely. Okay. Cool. Good stuff. All right. So uh, you gave it four and a half stars. I, gave I it do. Yeah. Stars. I give it four and a half stars. Highly four recommend and a half Z's. It. I don't give it stars. I give it Z's. Yeah. Two thumbs up from me. Two thumbs yep. up from you. Two Excellent. thumbs up from me for sure. All right. Cool. So. Uh, what do you have for our check it out section? Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. As you know, because I sent you an, an unanswered text, uh, I watched Annihilation. Did you? What? I didn't see that. Yeah, I sent it to you about 48 hours ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Luke responded. Anyway, uh, so I happen to know that this is a film that you like. Do you see the text? Uh, yes, now I saw it. Okay, so Luke says this is one of his, this is his favorite movie of all time, Annihilation. Uh, What say you? Uh, Easily top three. Uh, I will tell you that when Griffin, me, Choppy, Luke, and I think one other person walked out of the theater, all five of us gave it tens. And let's be honest, not all of us, we're not easy to impress. So it was one of the rarest films I've ever seen. It was incredible. Incredible movie. I would give it a six. Um, so Come on. I, what in the world is this film about? Could someone explain it to me? I mean, All right, I won't do that here, but uh, <laughs> it's also an incredibly, incredibly intelligent film. And the visuals I don't are crazy. doubt that. It has a lot to do with science. And, you, you should know, have seen it in a theater. That's all I, I'm well, saying. I didn't, but the shimmer and the lighthouse scene, I mean. The last 20 have- minutes. The last 20 minutes, I've never experienced something like that. And I'm that is what I knew you said. That is what Luke said. So I'm 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 sitting there settled in for the last 20 to 30 minutes. And I'm like, wait, what? So we'll talk about this offline. But Annihilation, it's worth checking out because it is an interesting concept that for me did not land. All right. Fair enough. Man. What you got? You should have liked it. <laughs> uh, I, I, wanted to. I wanted to so badly. I know, I know. 
So I've been watching uh, multiple uh, films actually recently. I've been juggling them quite a bit. And uh, I just watched uh, a movie with my buddy uh, last, I think it was last Sunday. And it's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. (laughs) Now that you've had time to think about it, what do you have to say? Hmm. Um, All I have to say is it is indescribable. It may not be something you necessarily enjoy every second of while you're watching, but it will take you for a ride. And it is unlike any other movie you've ever seen. Highly original, but it's not something I can recommend to everybody. But for those who are morbidly intrigued, check out its synopsis and watch the movie if you'd like to. Very, very I good cast. Synopsis. How long is it? Um, it's it feels long. I think mm. it's like a little over two hours, but um, you know, short round from Indiana Jones. Yes. Yeah. So he was in this movie as an older man and it's been years since he's oh, gotten know, a right? sense. Uh, that's what, yeah, that's what Chompy told me. So he was great in it. He was great in it. I also saw the weights, uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, the Nicolas Cage sort of meta movie. That's uh, what you saw today, right? Yeah. And it's a really fun film. I highly recommend that one. Okay. I saw I saw it at the Alamo Draft House, so it was a great theater experience as always. And um, you know that's just an entertaining movie. That's why we go to see movies. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. I mean, Grace gave it like a nine and a half. Wow. Yeah, Choppy liked it too. He said, um, "Did he go with you?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was really it was it was a fun one. So that's Good. definitely an easy recommendation there but for those who are hearing the buzz about everything everywhere all at once maybe check it out for yourself that could be interesting okay good stuff all right lots of movie talk here so what's our uh we, we know what our next film is ordinary people is what you said ordinary people directed by robert redford 1980 best picture winner oh it's uh, an older film robert yeah. redford was an actor right <laughs> Yes. I don't uh, see that's our generational divide. Yeah, exactly. Which is why we do this. But uh, starring Donald Sutherland and Mary Tyler Moore and Timothy Hutton. Keeper and, Sutherland's dad. Yes. Sutherland. Oh, oh, he's right. also yeah. President Coyne in Hunger Games uh, yes. movies. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah, he's good. He's good. And uh, yeah, so I have never seen this film. You've obviously never seen this film. And so I didn't check to see how long it is. I think it's two hours, but that's what our that's what our film is for next week. So. Should I read the synopsis or should I just go in blind? I think you should go in blind. All right. Uh, What streaming service is it on? It is on Amazon Prime. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, good stuff. Thank you very much for listening to another episode. This was Interstellar. And uh, like many people, you probably know, we really liked this film a whole lot. And we're very glad we watched it. So Probably my favorite film that we've watched since the redirection of ZZ Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Three Billboards was really, really good, too. That was so good. Yeah. So good. Both of those were good. Yeah. All right. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next week after we watch Ordinary People, 1980. All right. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is easy talk.